We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Villato. Today we're here to wrap up and recap some news in Giants land. Uh, we're going to leave the Wink Martindale drama stuff for another podcast, which you'll hear shortly, probably after this. We're going to wrap it up with a good article on, uh, from Dan Duggan and just discuss like what our thoughts are on Dable after that, because there's some interesting stuff in there about Brian Dable, I think. But today's podcast is all about a few things, and that's the positional coaches. That's Carmen Brasillo, the Giants' new offensive line coach who they hired, and that's the defensive coordinator candidates they have so far, which are two two play, uh, two people so far to compete for that potential defensive coordinator job and more to come, I assume, from the Giants. And then, obviously, they've also been blocked a few times, Nick, from a special teams coordinator, from just interviewing a special teams coordinator, which is interesting in its own regard. And, and you know, we can start maybe with Carmen Brasil, the Giants' new offensive line coach, because I know there was some discussion, Nick, about, from Giants fans at least, about, and to be fair, the Giants were blocked from interviewing the Falcons' offensive line coach, who they also wanted to interview. But, you know, after that, they interviewed Brasil. They obviously liked what he had to say, and more than what he had to say, I'm sure, is what, what went into the decision to hire him, Nick. But, that was it. They hired him. And a lot of people online were at least kind of, you know, a little a little complaining about the fact that, you know, they hired someone early. They didn't really wait. They didn't take their time on it. But I look at it like maybe this is a good sign because maybe he convinced you know, people can knock out these interviews, Nick. And then also because, you know, then you don't risk the chance of losing him. If he's your top guy or he's somebody who's really impressed you and you let him wait and then the Raiders make a hire and they try to, you know, bring him back or another team tries to bring him in that's when you start to run into trouble there because then you may be going down to your second and third candidates on, as an offensive line coach. There may not be anyone really left you have targeted at that point. And maybe, you know, the fans who are frustrated, Nick, were hoping they would call up Mike Munchak and, play, and people like that. But I'm sure the Giants have done their due diligence in that regard. And people like Mike Munchak, you know, have made it clear in the past, him, for example, that like he doesn't really want to move off the West Coast to, to come back to coaching. Um, and, you know, money talks to some extent, but some people may have been, you know, he may like the life he lives and has right now, right? We don't know any of that information. So I don't know. I look around and I'm I'm not too disappointed. I would say I'm actually pretty excited about the Carmen Brazil era, Nick, because everything I've seen from him and not only that, just some of what he's been able to mold from a Raiders offensive line that just doesn't have a lot of talent. And now given what he's going to have with the Giants and I don't know, we'll get into it in a little bit, but I'm sure you saw the the graph, the chart from Doug Analytics. Did you see that, Nick? Which chart is that? Uh, offensive line capital invested since 2020. Yeah, the uh, yes, yeah, 
I've seen that, yeah. So just to recap for those who hadn't seen it, the Giants it up. literally lead the NFL in offensive line capital in the draft investment since 2020 and or sorry, since 2020. And they're like light years ahead of the next team as far as offensive line capital. So the talent is there. You can say they missed on those guys with valuations. I can tell you that, you know, there's been a lot of factors that have gone into this luck with injuries and coaching and development. There's the chart. Good find, Nick. Just look at the difference in the capital the Giants have used on the offensive line since 2020 versus the rest of the NFL. That's three straight draft classes and just an insane chart to to, to really look at. That for those on the for those on the podcast audience, yeah. the New York Giants are way up in the top right hand corner. There's no one even close. The closest team is, I guess you could say the New York Jets, which are almost center mass on the chart. Like that's right. the disparity between what the New York Giants have spent on their offensive line relative to the rest of the league. And that's just via the draft, by the way. That's based on the model, which is um, valuing the draft picks using, you know, draft trade model. Um, he, I think Doug Analytics used two different models, two trusted models, and then, you know, versus where the investment was. And so I, I tend to believe, Nick, that this is talent that can be harnessed and can be molded with the right offensive line coach. I'm not sitting here and telling you Carmen Brasillo is that guy. Cause I don't know. I mean, we'll find out, but I tend to believe it can be molded. So I actually have some kind of excitement when it comes to offensive line. Cause for me, Nick, it's not like I don't view the offensive line. Like I view maybe quarterback or receiver or a position like that. I view it as a group that relies on continuity development, coaching, a lack of injury so they can keep that continuity. And a group that in that regard can be molded and can be make a big jump year to year. Like it's harder for me to buy into a quarterback, maybe or a receiver making a big jump than it is an offensive line as a unit, making a big jump. What are your thoughts on that? I would like to imagine that you're correct there. Now you need to get five people on the same page. And it's something that as giant fans, people have covered the giants. We haven't seen it, right? We haven't seen an offensive line that is working as one unit for more than like a six week period. What I'm excited about is any deviation, the difference from Bobby Johnson, and I'm not here to kick Bobby Johnson, cast aspersions on him while he's down, but it wasn't working. It wasn't working with Bobby Johnson. So now we have somebody else, and it is somebody who has learned under Dante Scarnecchia, who is renowned as an offensive line coach, and he's retired now with the New England Patriots. You have some aspects of... Brasillo's time with the Patriots, like Michael, I think it's Owanu, I think is how you pronounce his name, yes. his development, where you can say he's developed a young player who ended up playing better than maybe some anticipated, right? But I'll even look more focused on what ha happened with the Las Vegas Raiders. He was with Josh McDaniels. That offensive line helped Josh Jacobs be the leading rusher last season in 2022. They ran a lot of power gap. And this is where I um I think this is an interesting conversation because Brasillo and McDaniels, they ran a lot of power gap. In 2022, Josh Jacobs, when he did lead the league, they ran 201, Josh Jacobs specifically, 201 power gap plays for Josh Jacobs and only 93 zone runs in, 20, in 2022. In 2023, they ran 110 gap and 106 zone. But if you look at when the zone just went skyrocketing up on week nine week nine was when the giants played the Raiders and what happened the week before that McDaniels was fired. Antonio Pierce came in. So Antonio Pierce maybe broke the chains off of McDaniels to Brasillo and allowed him to run a system that was more oriented to what he wanted to do. Now, I remember when we had Marcus Johnson 
on the podcast who covers the Raiders. Great guy, buddy of mine, hung out with him a couple times when we lived together out in Arizona. So Marcus Johnson said that Josh Jacobs, in his opinion, guy who covers the Raiders, knows the all 22, is a better fit for a zone rushing scheme due to his vision. And the the rushing attack early this season from the Raiders was, was shit until McDaniels got canned. And then you started seeing a little bit more of an uptick in Josh Jacobs play. So what does this say about Carmen Brasillo? To me, it says we have seen some success in the past with the Raiders last season. And it also shows that he can change mid-season from a more power gap oriented system to a more zone-based system because he did that when McDaniels was the head coach and it wasn't really working all that much. And then I don't know what conversations were being had here, Dan, or, or who was mm-hmm. who was saying we need to do this or X, Y, and Z. But when he switched to a more zone-oriented approach under Antonio Pierce, it started working a little bit better. So it shows there is some uh, ability to adjust on the fly mid-season to change kind of the foundational way your offenses run with your rushing attack. Yeah, I think that's a great sign. And I also think, you know, we have so much uncertainty when it comes to the Giants rushing attack in general based on the Saquon Barkley looming decision and what's going to happen there. because you know, depending on what the running back room looks like next year could depend on how they call the run game, because we know, at least in my mind, we know that Saquon Barkley's better with power gap concepts than he is with zone concepts. That's been true, tried and true throughout the tape and throughout the stats of Barkley's career and dating back to his Penn state days. But we don't know who's going to be the lead back next year. It could be a combination of Eric Gray and someone, or it could be someone else. Like it may not be Eric Gray. Like we assume it's Eric Gray, but and a rookie or something like that but we don't know they could sign someone in free agency outside of barkley for cheap i know you can probably get this go around you can probably get a couple guys really cheap on the running back market um so we'll see what happens there as far as if they go more power gap or more zone with brasillo in i just like his i like everything about the fact that he came into that you know learned under dante scarnecchia the best you can learn from i would i would say ultimately. And I think everybody would agree with that. There are some great offensive line coaches out there, not named Dante Skarnacki, but he's probably the goat came into his own, got his own chance with the Raiders. And really for the most part, Nick, like you can look at all the rankings. The rankings are pretty good across the board, but I don't know if I go by the rankings as much. Like when it comes to an offensive line coach, Nick, to me, it's like, can you develop these guys? Can you get them in the same page? And can you get the best out of these players? And that's how I feel like he, that's exactly what I feel like he did with the Raiders, Nick, because look, judging by that same graph, and I don't know if you have that up there still, but when you consider and if you could throw that graph back up there, if you consider the Raiders investment on the offensive line, and you consider the fact that their only first round pick they use on the offensive line was cut within a season or two, Leatherwood, like that's a unit that did not have a lot of talent, no big free agent splashes for the Raiders. And he was able to get the most out of that unit. I think that 2020 graph may actually have them, you know, with the with the uh, Leatherwood pick. So it's probably a little bit skewed considering Leatherwood's no longer on the roster. But the Raiders are still not really high up on that chart of capital invested in the offensive line over the last three seasons. And he doesn't he did, looking at that line the Raiders had Nick. It wasn't like you know it's not the talent. It's not what you expect to be. It, you, I should frame this another way. When you look at that line, you don't, it doesn't jump out to you as like, look at these names, right? It's not a name brand O line that he had with the Raiders. And that, that excites me from the standpoint of like, he was doing something clearly to get the most out of those players. And I can't say that that will definitely happen with the Giants. There's no guarantee, but I can say that no offense, Bobby Johnson wasn't really doing how he taught offensive line wasn't really maximizing these players because the only player who played well under him really was Andrew Thomas, who was playing well before he got here. Right. So it didn't really, it didn't jump. So. From that standpoint, I have some hope as well. 
And if you look at this offensive line, man, you had Munford, who was, I believe, an Ohio State guy, seventh round pick in 2022, who stepped up and was at least adequate when Colton Miller was injured this season. I was at left tackle. Then you had Dylan Parham, who was a third round pick in 2022. I think I was talking to Marcus Johnson. He said he's better at right guard, but they were playing him at left guard for some reason. Maybe it was to shore up the left side of the line with Colton Miller when he was there. I, I'm not 100% certain on that situation. Andre James, Greg Van Roten, and Jermaine mm -hmm. Illuminor. These are a bunch of veteran guys that they brought in, like the Mark Lewinsky types, right? Like right. Not, somebody, not somebody who is terrible, but not somebody that you're going to look at and be like, if there's a better option, we can't usurp this dude. We can't, we can't keep him in place. He's not a foundational building block on your offensive line. And they were able to have at least a functional offensive line through two years. So that's what I'm hoping that Priscilla can come in here and establish that with the New York Giants. That's all we need for it to be significantly, Dan, better than it's been right. over the last decade. Just be functional. That's it. Just functional. That's all we're looking for. If it's top five, if it's top 10, that's amazing. That's great. But I just don't want to be bottom 30. I don't want to be 31st or 32nd or 30th or 29th or 28th. I want to be at least in the top 15. And that's yes. what I hope Carmen Brasillo can provide. Am I certain it's going to happen? No, I'm not. But maybe, or at least it's different. It's different from where we've been going because Bobby Johnson just wasn't the answer flat out. Yeah. And I think for me, Nick, the reason why I get excited about it is because I don't really believe wholeheartedly that you need a top five or top three offensive line to be a great offense in the NFL. I think you just need what you said, top 15. Can you get to top 15? And I would much rather have a top top three quarterback play with a top 15 O-line than top two offensive line with top 15 to 17 quarterback play, personally. And it's not just me. It's every ta talent evaluator across the NFL. Any GM would answer that question the exact same way. And so for the Giants to get back on track to become an offense that's not stagnant and actually has some explosion to it, they need to get to that mid-range. And I just feel like that's, I, to me, I feel like it's very possible, Nick. When you consider how much actual talent is there, like, there's no way that Joe Shane and and his and Brandon Brown and all these guys, man, just totally missed on Neil Azudu and JMS, right? In my mind, at least, Nick, there's no way they could just rip apart three top 67 picks and they're all just busts and they're all just, eh, you know what? We misevaluated this completely on all three of those players. And if that's the case, Nick, fine. Then these guys are out. Like Joe Shane's out and, and he should be out. He shouldn't be the GM of the Giants. But I just don't believe that. I believe a lot of this was just bad luck to me. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Nick. I think 50 to 60 percent of this was bad luck and circumstance the injuries the fact that and, and here's the problem nick for me at least as far as like getting to this top 15 range in year one because i think we all want it to happen fast we don't want this to be like carmen brasilla takes him to like the 22nd best offensive line you know we need we're looking for an early top 15 or 15 to 20 but to get there nick like to me the only thing that holds me back from optimism is the fact that like the nfl is set up the way it is right now and there's just not a lot of practice time and there's not a lot of two a days and there's just like I almost feel like with the offensive line, it always shocks me when an offensive line goes from really bad to, to average. And it happens still, right? Like the Raiders are a good example. There's other teams that are examples. And that's why, because there's no time to work on the off season. So I always feel like it's like, oh, it's a little bit of a surprise. But that's the one thing that I would say would hold me back. Just like, when are they going to get together and get this continuity down, given the NFL CB, new CBA rules? We'll see what happens. And given the fact that some of those foundational or yeah, potential true. foundational building blocks are recovering from injury. That's true. not good for Brasillo. Evan Neal, Josh Azudu are two guys who we need to hit, right? Especially Evan Neal. And if they're not there in training camp, they're going to be a step behind. And it's all about continuity. It's all about timing. It's all about, and I think Brasillo has said this in interviews, it's all about trusting your teammates. 
And I think in order to earn that trust, you got to play together, right? You got to be one unit. That's what the offensive line is. And I'm just a little bit hesitant if Evan Neal and Josh Zudel get no training camp time and they're thrown to the fire and thrown to the wolves in week yep. one against probably like the Dallas Cowboys or some team. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right about that, though, Nick. That's a great point. The fact that we have the Neal and Zudu surgeries lingering is going to make it a, a much tougher job for Brasillo than he would excuse me ultimately had but we don't know what could happen there too i think there's yeah. a chance the giants could could swing on a on a guard and free agency i would really like them too and there are definitely a few options that you you mentioned uh a few earlier but but i'd love to see them swing at that position that's the one position i want them to attack in free agency and to me this year if they if their plan is or they don't have an opportunity to get one of these top quarterback talents i personally want them to not treat this as a win now year and i don't want them to like if i hear daniel jones's contract is restructured i'm going to be incredibly disappointed I'm going to say it right now. It's not just Jones. It's anybody else. But that one specifically, they cannot move any more cap hit back. That's it. You've done your cap there. You've got the 40. You've got the guaranteed cap for this year. You got another 25 million in 2025 when they cut him, if they cut him. And then that's it. I don't want to turn that into 35 million or 40 because we're trying to build around this. It's we see what we have and that's it. But the will the swing I'm willing to make, Nick, is on the offensive line because that doesn't it doesn't matter who's in at quarterback or what you're where you view your franchise at as a win now team or a not win now team. If you don't have an offensive line, you impact, in my opinion, negatively the development of receivers, tight ends, running backs, and quarterback. Even if you don't believe in that quarterback or that running back as a long-term answer, whoever it may be, you still impact negatively their development if you have this kind of offensive line. So it's the one position, no matter what stage the Giants are in of a rebuild, win now or future, I, I want them to attack. So we'll see what happens there as well. I'm right there with you, buddy. All right, let's discuss some of these defensive coordinator candidates the Giants are bringing in. I have a little more optimism just because of the curiosity and maybe the more of the unknown with the first one that, that we're going to discuss here, and that's Denard Wilson. I just feel like, you know, hope springs eternal for these for these uh, lesser-known candidates. But I know one thing you wanted to discuss first was kind of some off-field stuff with Denard that was interesting, so you can get into that. Well, off-field probably not the best way to yeah, phrase okay. that, but Denard Wilson. So Denard Wilson is somebody who has worked with a bunch of different coaches, right? He worked with Greg Williams. He worked with Todd Bowles with the New York Jets. Greg Williams goes back to his time with the Jets and I believe the Rams. He is, worked with Jonathan Gannon and the Eagles and then Mike McDonald this year. So he was a player. And Mike McDonald, I, by the way, is the Baltimore Ravens. DC. Yes, I, I, I didn't mention that at first. So I apologize. No, you're good, bro. So he started his coaching career in 2012. He was a player back in 2004, didn't really do anything in the NFL. I think he was just like a practice squad member or something like that. He actually was an administrator for a little while, while with the Chicago Bears. He was a pro scout from 2008 to 2011. He's 41 years old, and he was with the Eagles from 2021 to 2022. In 2021, he was the defensive backs coach. And then in 2022, which was the Super Bowl year, he got promoted to passing game coordinator and defensive back coach, Dan. So if we go to that team and we look at the 2022 Eagles, they were a sensational pass rush, but they were also the number one pass defense in the league with Significant, I would say, developments from certain young players, specifically Reed Blankenship, who was an undrafted rookie out of Middle Tennessee, who ended up developing into a very good football player. If you listen to any Eagles players like Darius Slay or CJ Gardner-Johnson when he was there for a cup of coffee, they absolutely raved and loved Denard Wilson, and they wanted Denard Wilson to be their defensive coordinator after Jonathan Gannon accepted the job to be the Arizona Cardinals head coach. But that didn't happen, and there seemed to be some 
some uh, some strange. I, I don't know what it, exactly it was, but there was something strange that happened between Nick Sirianni and Denard Wilson because a lot of people were under the assumption that Denard Wilson would get that defensive coordinator job. And that did not happen. He brought in Sean Desai. And as we know, Sean Desai ended up getting benched midway through this season for Matt Patricia. And the Eagles defense dropped from being the number one pass defense in the NFL with Denard Wilson as their passing game coordinator and defensive back coach all the way down to 31st. They're one of the worst this season. Now, there are other variables and other other reasons as to why that happened. But Denard Wilson, I think there, there's something to look at here and say his departure significantly affected that coaching staff, especially since Sirianni, who's not a defensive guy, he's an offensive guy, but they lost a lot of defensive coaches when Jonathan Gannon left and they brought in somebody from outside the building and they let play or they let coaches like Denard Wilson out the door. And I'm just sitting here wondering, and I was reading articles from reporters like Marcus Hayes and guys like that. Why exactly did this happen? And they they didn't really fully get it either. Marcus Hayes, who's a renowned uh, reporter, I don't exactly know who he's with. He said that there was drama and there was a mutual parting of the ways, but he believed that Denard would stay to be the defensive coordinator. So it was just like, what the hell happened with Nick Sirianni? And now we're starting to hear that Nick Sirianni could be out. So I'm just like, yo, Nick Sirianni might have botched this terribly. When you look at this defense that has all this talent, Nick Sirianni might have botched it out of his ass from a personnel standpoint. And now ownership is looking at what, Denard Wilson did with the Ravens and he's like, yo, like what the hell was that about? And now the team's just crumbling. You see the offense. They, they don't even have like hot routes dialed up. It's like a really weird situation going on in Philadelphia. But I think Denard Wilson is a piece to the puzzle as to what could end up being the downfall of Nick Sirianni over there in Philly. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at Denard Wilson and I said at the beginning, he excites me because of a lot of what you just said. I mean, you just said it. He the Eagles were a different secondary with him and without him. And the, the Ravens this year, in a lot of ways, are a different secondary than they were even last year when they started to get it going. But this year, they're an even better defense. And I look at him and I think that, and I'll look at both with both these coordinators, Nick, we would probably see a return to what we had more with Patrick Graham and what all these NFL defenses are, which is relying on match zone. And match zone, obviously, is something that if you're doing it right and your players are healthy and you don't have a lot of injuries in the D-back room, and it's middle of the season. If you're in a new system or late in the season, it can be explosive. It can be amazing. Like what the Ravens have right now is awesome. And they're not the first team to get on the same. Some, this happens with Fangio too. I was watching hard knocks with the, with the dolphins and I know they're not playing as well. Now the dolphins, obviously they lost Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and like everything on that deep. Now Van Ginkle too. Like, of course you're screwed as a defense when that happens, but and then I think they lost the safety too, a big safety for them. I remember I'm forgetting who it was, but he's back now, but he missed a big chunk of the season. Point being, like I was listening to the defensive players on Hard Knocks talk about Fangio and they were discussing this exact thing. They're like, yeah, this style of defense, it takes time and we weren't on the same page and now we're complete. We feel like a completely different defense. And they're like, once it clicks, it clicks. And to me, Nick, I'm looking at it like I did like what Wink Martindale did and I liked that he was unique. But ultimately, like if the Giants can get to get enough talent in the secondary and get on the same page, the match zone stuff. It's probably better long-term maybe for the giants. I mean, we're I don't not know sure that, that Denard is going to like, first of all, we people, don't know that for sure. He could have his people, own system. Yeah. All people do bring in like zone mat. A lot of coordinators have zone match principle. Like Martindale had zone match principle. That's not necessarily something that's like I run a zone match system. That's not how mm -hmm. that works. Okay. So I want to mm -hmm. preface that. And secondly, with Denard Wilson, again, he was with Todd Bowles, Jonathan Gannon, not exactly the same defensive philosophy, right? Like Todd Bowles is much more kind of like a, um, you know, Rex Ryan disciple, somebody who yes. maybe is more like Wink Martindale, whereas Jonathan Gannon is more of that quarters too high, a little bit more like Vic Fangio. So we're not even sure because 
this coordinator, Jannard Wilson, has never called plays before. So we yeah. don't know what his system would be like. So it's a little bit of an unknown with him. Yeah, that's true. And obviously, I just meant like he he would use it more than we've had so far with with Martindale. But obviously, you know that require the more you use Matt Zone, the more you're requiring, in my opinion at least, health in the secondary and communication in the secondary. Communication, and, yep. Yeah, and that relies on health because when you have different guys moving in and out of there, you're not your communication isn't going to be the same. But ultimately, that's what most of the teams are moving toward at this point. I feel like in the NFL, there's very few thing, coordinators of them. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say one thing that uh that I really like what I've heard about Denard Wilson. Cause again, this is a positional coach. So it's hard to kind of really know what he is, what he is uh, doing from a, from a scheme and an X's and O's type of standpoint. We can only look at some of the uh, coordinators he's worked with, but I remember, and I, and I heard this when I was reading some of Marcus Hayes's stuff, the, uh, the there is the development of Reed Blankenship that I brought up. That's something that you can point to, but he also had some big personalities on that Eagles defense. CJ Gardner Johnson was traded to the Eagles mid season. I don't know if you guys know who CJ Gardner Johnson is, but he has a really large personality is one way to phrase it. And he was advocating hard for Denard. So it was Avante Maddox who was speaking so highly of Darius Slay went on the record saying that he wanted him to be his, uh, he wanted to be, him to be the defensive coordinator heading into 2023. And do you remember against the Cowboys, there was a, a third and 30 conversion where everybody was blaming Darius Slay like crazy going back to the 2022 season. It was a third and 30 conversion. So everyone's blaming Slay and Slay threw Josiah Scott, the safety under the bus. And he was like, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is this. And it was like one of those things was like, yo, you just called your teammate out in front of the Philadelphia media, in front of the world on Twitter. Like, this is not a great situation, but you never heard another peep from that situation. You never heard another peep from it. Who do you think handled that? It was Jonathan Gannon and his positional coach to smooth that over between Josiah Scott and Darius Slay. So you had a, like a lot of personalities that you had to manage, and you still went to the Super Bowl with all these personalities. I think that says something about a positional coach. That's one thing that we can look at and say, okay, at least he was able to, to, to mitigate any kind of turbulence when you had your star cornerback throwing some younger safety under the bus and still put your heads down to the grindstone win some playoff games, go to the Super Bowl. And then I'm not really 100% certain what happened with Sirianni. That's where it's like, I, I don't know, but it's starting to look like Sirianni might be on the out as well for Philadelphia, especially if they lose to the Buccaneers on Monday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, 
You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, Part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, Everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. And one more nugget, Dan, that I believe is really important to look at. So he was with Philadelphia, number one passing defense, right? So then he goes with Mike McDonald and the Baltimore Ravens. Philadelphia was that top defense, right? Last season, so not 2023, 2022 when Wilson was with Philadelphia, Baltimore was 28th in the NFL in passing yards allowed per game. This year, with Wilson switching teams, the Ravens' passing defense has jumped up to fourth in that same stat, while the Eagles just dropped significantly. So you're seeing how the units have changed. Now, there's a lot of other variables, of course, but there's at least something that we can point to and say, this is pretty glaring, right? Mm -hmm. We could see you were good with this team. You left. They suck. The team you went to significantly improved. So something yep. to look at. But again, this is somebody who has never called plays before. That's going to be new for him. All right. And that is a huge aspect of this that we have to consider. But I am interested in this individual. Me too. And I like that you brought up the background working with Greg Williams, McDonald, Gannon, Bowles, like just different, a lot of different mindsets there and a lot of different ideas going from each of those different coordinators. And they run a lot of different defenses there. So it would be an intriguing hire, an upside hire. Obviously, there would be a lot of risk there, in my opinion, considering he hasn't called plays. And that alone, to me, like when people have brought up like Jerome Henderson as potentially taking over his giant CC, I'm like, I have a little bit of qualms when you bring in someone who hasn't called plays yet, because I just think the process of it, I remember discussing this with you, Nick, and a few other people, just like the game day process of getting those plays in in time with the clock that you have in your head, like it's 
it's a it's a challenge. Like you may be good at it right from the start, but you don't know. Like you may you you may not be. And then what happens? It's like, oh shit, you're one of those. Like, and we've seen that happen before where first time coordinators are just overwhelmed completely and they're fired mid-season or they're replaced mid-season. I'm not saying that would happen with anyone the Giants hire, but it's a possibility versus a veteran. And maybe if somebody is yelling incessantly at yeah. you that might distract you a little bit possible it's possible <laughs> all right the other giants uh candidate right now for defensive coordinator i'm sure they're going to bring in others is a current defensive coordinator so we have a little bit more data to work with here and that's titans defensive coordinator shane bowen uh we're gonna start off here nick with the we could actually let's start off with with some of the stats because we pulled them up here from true media on the coverages he used this year nick so you can jump into that yeah, so this year, Shane Bowen. So first, I want to say there is a connection with Shane Bowen and the New York Giants. It's not through Brian Dable. It is with Ryan Cowden, who is the executive, uh, executive. I, I don't even remember the term, but he works underneath Joe Shane. He's like Joe Shane's right-hand man that's not named Brandon Brown. And he was with, he was with Shane Bowen in Tennessee in 2018. This past season, we saw that defense decimated by injuries, terrible pass defense. The run defense significantly regressed. There seemed to be turmoil in the building as well, whereas Mike Rabel really wanted to win now. I think Rand Carthon, the guy who took over as the general manager for the Tennessee Titans, I think he was more in a rebuild mode. They had an older quarterback, all that. So it's a little bit of a weird situation, but the defense sucked this year. They ran cover three, 43.4% of the times, quarters, 23.9% of the time, cover two, 25.4% of the time, didn't really run that much man coverage. But if you go back in his previous years, because he was a defensive coordinator in 2023, 2022, 2021, and then he was the line outside linebacker coach from 2018 to 2020. If you go and you look at 2020 to 2021, was the outside linebacker coach up to defensive coordinator, there was just a significant improvement in the defense overall. We're talking about huge jumps in EPA per play, success rate, QBR, explosive play rate, DVOA, any metric that you look at from the 2020 Tennessee Titans defense to the 2021 defense, the 2021 defense was significantly better than the 2020 defense. So you saw a, a huge leap when he did take over. It's just this last year, was gross. It was disgusting. And if we look just at the sacks also, because it's an outside linebacker coach, I think that's a very tangible stat to, to evaluate that over the last six years or so. In 2023, they were 17th in Titans and sacks. They had 45. 2022, they were 20th, 39. In 2021, they were 10th, 43. In 2020, they were 30th. They only had 19, which is pathetic. That was as an outside linebacker coach. In 2019, they were 13th. They had 43. And then in 2018, they were 17th. They had 39. One stat that you can look at, sacks. But if you also just study this defense, because I've watched Tennessee Titans defense, they were really creative with their pressure packages. They were really creative with their safety rotations, right? Like they ran a lot of games and a lot of twists up front, pirate stunts. And I just think about like pirate stunt is when the, the, uh, the nose tackle is the looper, right? I think about that. We saw that with Wink Martindale a little bit with Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence is excellent in those situations because of his timing and his just unique athletic ability. And good luck trying to pick that up when you're off balance and not fully square to him. If you're the tackle trying to come off of somebody who's slant inside, you're absolutely screwed in those situations. So I like it from that standpoint. I like the the uh, huge difference in the 2020 defense to the 2021 defense. And you can look, man, I have all these stats in our doc, Dan. There, there's a lot. There's a lot there. I like the fact that this team was so much better when they disguised their coverage, specifically in the 2022 season, man. They were first in EPA per play in the 2022 season. They were second in yards per play when they decided to disguise 
and rotate their coverage. And they did a lot of rotation two to one. They would align in too high and then they would rotate to one. And that would kind of make you think, oh, well, they're probably a little bit liable against the run since they're aligning in too high so often. But that wasn't the case either. They were actually better against the run when they did that because I think this is more of a personnel thing, but you lean into your personnel. They had Kevin Byard and they had um, Amani Hooker. And those two are really right. good run-fitting safeties. And I think if you retain Xavier McKinney, you you have that. You have that with Jason Pinnock. You have that possibly with Dane Belton if he can develop. So I look at this, and a lot of people on Twitter are going at it and be like, no, absolutely not. No, I'm a little bit more interested in it, at least, right? Because this is a creative system, and he learned under Mike Vrabel, who's an excellent defensive coach, and he was able to get sure. a lot out of personnel that – it's not like they had stars all over the place, right? But when they had David Long, when they had a healthy Jeffrey Simmons, when they had Kevin Byard, they never really had cornerbacks. But when they had these guys, the defense was pretty damn good, and it was a really good run defense despite the fact that they aligned in too high a lot. That intrigues True. me. Yeah, they've they've been a good run defense even through this year when their pass defense collapsed. I like I put a lot less weight, Nick, on how these rankings go with these former coordinators with their former teams, because it's always to me, like when I see the stat, like the Minnesota Vikings have beat the giants in 11 of straight games. And it's like, so that means they're going to win this game. It's like, well, nine games ago it was 1984 and the personnel was completely different. Why does that have any impact on today's game? So I hate those kind of trends. And that's kind of the same thing to me when it comes to defensive coordinator or any position coach ranking with their former team. Like they're inheriting a completely different roster. That's not like applicable. I'm more interested in the things you're discussing. Like, what do we see on tape? Do we see disguised coverages? And when they do decide to disguise coverages, is it working? And the answer is it is working. And that's a big part of what he's doing. And you talked about some of the games they run up front. That'll be a little bit different, but we've seen some of that. I feel like ultimately when it comes to the defensive coordinators across the NFL, for the most part, with the exception of the Wink Martindale types, there is a lot of uh, commonality in what I see f from a schematic standpoint across the NFL right now from with defense coordinators, less so on the offense side of the ball. I've always felt like you can do more as an offensive coach than a defensive coach. That's my personal opinion. Um, so I am intrigued by him just based based on what you broke down, Nick. But I obviously need to look a little bit more into the Titans. We'll have to we if if they do make this decision to go and hire him, we would then take the time to watch the tape and we could see a lot more that way. And you could kind of understand what he's doing philosophically there. Uh, and more specifically, like game to game for the matchups, because that was one thing I did appreciate about Wink Martindale, Nick, was that he had different game plans depending on the matchup and the quarterbacks. I think I, I think Bowen would be the same because, again, I don't I mean, we saw the statistics in 2023, but that defense was shit. Right. But if you go to 2021 and 2022, the defense, it wasn't like they were in cover for this much. Like they they right. they basically I don't think they were in the top 10 of any coverage. The entire. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, it's I'm going to play to what the offense is trying to do and to my personnel. And I think that's what this defensive coordinator wants to do. Again, I have not dove in deep into the film because he has not been hired by the New York Giants. But this is my interpretation of him. And I think it's a um, I think it's an OK interpretation. At least I, I hope it is. Right. But uh, I'm not as opposed to this as as other people on Giants Twitter seem to be. And what do you think just from the for both these two candidates? What do you think from the standpoint of like how either of them will fit in with Brian Dable? And is that something we should be considering, like given the information we have now? I don't um, know either of their personalities, but mm -hmm. due to recent reports and a subsequent podcast that shall be released, if you're listening to this right now. It seems like you need to have some patience to work with Brian Dable. It seems like you need to be able to take an ass chewing. If you work with Brian Dable and I'm just maybe you need to know your role. Like, is that going to be a thing, Nick, where it's like knowing your role, know your yeah. role. Like this is the, this is the, cause I know I, I read 
part from part of that article, a lot of it is just like what they will learn learning through Belichick. And it's like, this is the hierarchy. You go down the list like this. It's not necessary. And it's interesting because Dable is such a player's coach. Like he doesn't do the, the shit that I hated from judge, like the long meetings, the getting so freaked out over a little mistake. Yeah, we'll talk about this. Relax. in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we will. We'll get more into it. But from that standpoint, he is a player's coach, but is he a coach's coach is kind of where I'm going with this, Nick. Like you could be a player's coach and the players can like you, but what about the coaches who are also working for you? Um, and we'll talk more about that as well, but I am curious if that's going to play a role at all, like their personality and their willingness to defer to Dable. To Dable. Of course. Now there's one thing that I want to, I want to acknowledge that makes me at least question Shane Bowen a little bit more is what was the mm -hmm. influence of Jim Schwartz? Cause Jim Schwartz, we sure. you know one of the better defensive minds in the NFL won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles as a defensive coordinator. I know gross. He is the Browns defensive coordinator right now. Had a fantastic season. He was with the Titans as a senior defensive assistant in 2021 and in 2022 when there seemed to be a huge jump. So was it Bowen or was it Jim Schwartz? And I'm hoping that can be sussed out a little bit through the meetings that Bowen is going to have with the Giants brass. Interesting point and something to consider as well. I don't know the influence uh, Schwartz would have over that 20. We, we, we probably won't find that out, but it's something the Giants will certainly find out. And they're obviously locked into both of these guys because they target them early. And they're not like the names we expected, the Leslie Frazier's of the world that maybe we expected them to have been interviewing at this point. So anything else on these candidates or on Brasillo, Nick, before we sign out? Well, I just want to bring up the fact that the Giants are getting Dikembe Mutumboed all oh, over yeah. the place whenever they're trying to interview a special teams coordinator. <laughs> the Giants have been denied three interviews so far by the Panthers, Falcons, and Chargers. They're trying to get a special teams coach, and the Panthers, Chris Tober, was somebody that Dable wanted to interview. Panthers denied. Falcons, Marquise Williams, special teams coach, denied. Chargers, Ryan Ficken, special teams coach, denied. And then there were reports, and I don't know if these were substantiated, Dan. I don't know if it was confirmed. But uh, I think the Raiders said that they denied a team from interviewing Patrick Graham. And I think a lot of people the Giants, the yeah. that it was probably the Giants just because we knew that Dable wanted Patrick Graham to stay with the True. Giants when he left. So there was interest. So people just kind of connect the dots. Maybe it was Patrick Graham because then the Raiders allowed Brasillo to interview with the Giants. And they were like, OK, well, you can interview Brasillo. So Which I'm not 100 like It's really weird, by the way, like if you're going to block one coach, but allow another coach. But it just I guess it shows the high regard they have Patrick for Patrick Graham over there. It could be that, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's hard to it's hard to really know exactly what happened, but the Giants are getting denied any chance they anytime they want to interview one of these special teams guy, which is just kind of frustrating at this point. It is frustrating. I don't know what's going to happen on that front with the special teams coach. It seems like the Giants are going to have to really dig deep into the barrel to find someone there, and they have a tough job when they get in here because they're taking over one of the worst and most. I don't know by the numbers. I'd have to look at the DVO, but a, a special teams unit just makes tons of mental errors that are the have cost the giants and us plenty of heartache over the last few years. And the giants are probably not going to have some of their special teams aces because sure. Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown both put up basically farewell messages along with Jihad Ward. Supposedly I didn't see it. Cause I think I'm blocked by the guy. I hear blocked by Jihad Ward. I think I said that on the last podcast. I oh, yeah, tried searching did. for him and he wasn't there. And I was just like, Oh, okay. I don't even know what I did. I, yeah, I heard like, he blocked. Like, yeah. I heard he blocked. True. I heard he blocked like all of Giants Twitter. I didn't get blocked by him, but my claim to fame is being blocked by Odell Beckham Jr. Way back in the day, he blocked. <laughs> he did? Finally, I, yeah, when they made that trade, I must have tweeted something that pissed him off. Um, but that's all we have for today on the candidates. We're going to get keep this going as the Giants bring in people. Ultimately, I think they'll make a move to hire someone at some point. Uh, just as a heads up, Nick is, uh, is going to be 
with his uh, girlfriend on vacation next week. So the schedule might be a little bit different. I know he's available for breaking news, but we will see what happens there. And if the Giants bring anyone in, I don't want to totally interfere with his time off because he doesn't get much. And we're going to be back into this thing hard in February and March and everything. And this is maybe the, the little bit of time that he does have to spend with his lovely girlfriend. So like that editorialization there. Um, yeah. She's a great person. She is a great person. She's awesome. Um, yeah. She is. But cool so, so just a, so yeah, so just a little bit of a heads up on that, but we'll see what happens on that front. And if there is breaking news, we're going to cover it. So we'll find a way. But thank you again for tuning into Big Blue Banter Podcast. More coming. We're going to turn the page. Once the Giants make these hires and get the coaching staff under, under wraps, we're going to start to turn into player stuff like salary cap outlook, taking a look at that, breaking down how we want to go by each position, and even evaluating the rookie class from last year and things of that nature. So for now, it's focus on the coaches. We'll see what happens there. But thank you for so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you soon. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.